0: It's time for episode 60 of the Clockwise podcast from Relay FM, recorded October 30th, 2014. Clockwise, four guests, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, a podcast that's a monster mash, but not a graveyard smash. I am your co host, Jason Snell, and across the country from me, as every week, is my co host, Dan Warren. Hi, Dan. Hi, Jason. Happy Halloween. Trick or treat. I choose trick. Excellent choice. We should explain uh, cl- the way Clockwise works. We, we take about half an hour to talk about four technology topics with two excellent guests every week. Uh, to my left around the Clockwise circle is iMore's own Serenity Caldwell. Hello.
1: Hello, Jason. Hello, Glad former co-worker. Here. I know. Hello, former co-worker. <laughs> It's almost like we still work together being on this podcast. Yes,
0: we're on
2: podcast together, and that's very nice indeed. It is. And to my left is our second very special guest, uh, a first-timer on Clockwise, Mashable's Christina Warren. Hi, Christina. Hi, guys. Welcome to the show. Thanks for being here.
3: Thank you for having me.
2: All right, since I
0: I, uh, introduced the show today, I will go first with my topic, and then we'll move clockwise and discuss four topics. Uh, I just got the Kindle Voyage, the brand-new Kindle e-reader. And I'm enjoying it. I'm still thinking about how much better it is than than the Kindle Paperwhite, which is sort of the previous top-of-the-line model and in what ways. But um, I read a lot of books and even some newspapers and things on my Kindle, even though I've got an iPhone and an iPad. And I was curious uh, what uh, your reading habits are and what devices do you use to read uh, e-books and books and things like that? Or, or do you not read Ebooks books and only read books. Just curious about your reading habits and uh, the technology you might use to use them. Ren, what about you?
1: Hey, well, okay. So I still love my books, my, my paperback books.
0: Paper books. books. Um,
1: yes, paper books. Imagine those. Um, but I actually kind of prefer reading on digital devices, uh, in part because a lot of the reading that I get done is usually curled up into some form of ball in like my bed or a chair or something. And having like, if I'm reading... You know George R.R. R. R. Martin, for example, a twelve hundred page paperback novel or hardcover is a lot harder to hold at weird angles if you're like I want to lay down and still read um, than an iPhone or an iPad is. Um, I would say primarily the stuff, the the devices I use to read are actually my iPhone six, um, which I I think I've talked about this on Clockwise before or on Mackerel
0: Podcasts where I, it's like actually I think you talked about it on the Incomparable too on the we, Incomparable we did there an we go there about it yeah
1: that's right so. Um, I, ju- I read diagonally, um, which to some people sounds completely wacky, and then other people <laughs> I say that too, and they're like, oh, yeah, I totally do the same thing, where it's like I read a paragraph at a time, um, and my brain makes it function together. Uh, which is really awesome if you're trying to speed read um, and get through like class notes really quickly, but really sucky if you're trying to like take in the beautiful grandeur of like all of this like world building, like the new Pat Rothfuss book, which I just got. Um, so I read on my iPhone because it limits me to like two paragraphs at a time. So it forces me to like slow down a little bit and take take advantage of the scenery. Um, I started reading on the new iPad Air 2 a little bit. I read most of Pat Rothfuss's book on that. And uh, it's now light enough that I I feel like I can comfortably hold it in one hand and read that, so that's pretty cool.
2: I um I'm still reading mostly paper books. I was reading a bunch of stuff on the Kindle for a while, and I got frustrated because I felt like I didn't always absorb it as well. Because uh, in sort of contrast to Ren's reading style, I jump back and forth. So like I'll be reading a page, and then like my eyes will just go to the previous page as I try to like remember what was said a second ago. And so I find it really hard to do on the Kindle because I have to physically like page through to sort of get my bearings. Um, and I also kind of ticked off at Amazon with all their shenanigans with authors and things like that and publishers. So I've, I've sort of placed a temporary moratorium on buying ebooks right now. Um, so I've really been doing a lot of reading of paper books, hard copy books from the library or buying, uh, you know, more recent hard copy books. I do have a Kindle, but it's I think now two or three generations old. So maybe I'm missing out on the new really great features of the Kindle. But, um, you know, as someone whose parents were both librarians, I end up coming back to the printed word quite a bit. So not, I'm, I'm maybe I'm a Luddite in that regard. Christina, how about you?
3: Yeah, you're definitely a Luddite in that regard. <laughs> um, I, I'll say it. No, I love, so I live in New York. I live in Brooklyn. And so as much as I do love physical books and we have tons of them all over the place, I don't have room for them. So I buy almost every new book, unless it's something that's out of print, um, on a Kindle. And I usually use my Kindle paper white. I'm now on my third one. I'm probably going to get a voyage, but since I've gone through two paper whites this year, not because they were bad, cause I lost one in a cab and then bought one in June. And so I kind of don't want to like buy another like device, like six months later. Um, but I read most everything on, on that, um, and then sometimes I'll also read it on my iPad and on my phone. So it's just kind of a good way to, to pick up and go. Um, for me, my favorite feature is actually x-ray uh, with, within the Kindle stuff, because I love to search, because it's one of those things. I'll forget who a character is, or I'll forget something that you know references someone. I'm like, wait, who is this person again? And just being able to instantly search and find it in the book is fantastic, especially since I'm usually reading like six or seven things at once, and always sort of forgetting where I am and something and, and what's happened right beforehand.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with Christina on this one, obviously. I, I Even though I am married to a librarian and I do check out some e-library books and some paper books from the library, um, I, I do by far most of my reading on the Kindle and it has made me more um, uh, voluminous. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if that's the right way to phrase it. I read a lot more than I used to, which I actually really love because it's so much more convenient to have that Kindle with me. So, um, but then again, I a lot of that was came from my commute, which I don't have anymore um, because it made it more convenient to carry forty books around at once because it was just a little Kindle. Uh, anyway, so I'm 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 pretty committed to it. But everybody's got their own little quirks, including diagonal readings of some. Uh, thank you all for for sharing. <laughs> Ren, what is your topic?
1: Uh, my topic is actually uh, something that came in with the new iPad Air 2, uh, which I've been playing around a lot with this week, which is the Apple sim, um, Apple's sort of new doodad that lets you switch between carriers sort of um, on your, when you're you know you decided, oh I'm, I'm traveling to an area where this carrier isn't supported. Maybe I should switch to this carrier. Um, currently, the Apple sim supports T-Mobile and Sprint um, and technically at and t uh, but that's a lie because as soon as you choose AT and T, it locks out all the other carriers and forces you to only use it on AT and T. Or as soon as you choose Verizon or T-Mobile, or excuse me, Sprint or T-Mobile, um, AT and T disappears as an option. Um, so really, it's just Sprint and T-Mobile who are on this this bandwagon, um, and I and of course Verizon is not on it entirely. And Verizon wants you know just separate sims. So I'm just curious what the what the panel kind of thinks of of this as a technology prospect. Um, and whether it's pretty cool whether the other carriers will actually get on board.
2: I, I think it seems unlikely in some ways that they'll get on board. I think T-Mobile obviously has a lot to gain by this because they're the smallest uh, of the carriers and therefore they have a lot of uh, a lot of opportunity in trying to convince people to switch to them. Um, but I think the big carriers are most concerned about people switching away from them, and anything that makes that easier is sort of less attractive. Verizon in particular seems to really really want to keep people locked in and you know obviously they have they have a lot to lose if they people start saying, oh i can I can switch back and forth whatever I want to do." Um, technologically, I think it's great just for the same reason that I think, you know, SIM cards internationally should be a lot easier to use. Your carriers shouldn't be too worried that like you're going to go across the border and use, you know, a different SIM card when you're in Canada or in Europe. Um, and I think anything that that provides that ability for customers to choose is a huge boon to them. Um, but at the same time, you know, businesses want to make money and they want to retain their customers paying their monthly subscription fees and the like. So anything that makes it easier is kind of crappy by them. So, you know, this is sort of the eternal battle between consumers and businesses and as much as I'd like to think that Apple can, you know, sort of bring down the heavy end of the hammer and make this a lot easier, we've seen that that's not necessarily the case. So I applaud Apple for trying it, but I think it, it may be ultimately doomed to failure.
3: Yeah, I'm basically with you, I, I feel like, uh, Dan, I agree, I, I feel I love the idea of the Apple Sim, and I think that it's a really good technical solution to a problem that's existed for a really long time, and, and that especially is, is relevant, you know, if you go to Canada or you go to Europe, or, you know, if you're in Europe and you go from one country to another and you don't have some sort of roaming deal, it's a really great technical solution. But with just Sprint and T-Mobile supporting it, I don't know if there's really any reason that AT&T and Verizon should want to adopt this. Um, But I think it is actually a a great thing for T-Mobile to continue to kind of harp on, especially since they have their their free international data plan, even though the the service is kind of bad. You know, they've got some of their other things. They're really trying to get people to switch to them and and try them out. Um, But uh, I I don't know. I would like to see it work, but I'm not that hopeful that it will.
0: Yeah, I I'm going to be a little optimistic and say that in the long run, uh, big telephone companies do definitely want to exert control over their customers and potential customers any way they can. But in the long run, uh, doing it through an accident of uh, some technology that allowed there to be a little plastic card in devices to get them on the network—that's going to go away. It, 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 I just—I feel like it is going to go away eventually, and th- this is the part of the process where everybody fights over it, and then eventually everybody just realizes this is not going to work. That—that that, uh, y- you can locking a device until you change it to a different piece of plastic is stupid and that at some point Apple is going to say we're not going to even do a sim card anymore it's just going to be a programmable fake sim and you're not going to be able to lock it and now what are you going to do I do think we'll get there I think we'll probably get there pretty soon but uh, these are the first shots of that being fired um, I suppose Apple shipping the iPad unlocked was maybe the first shot but this is another shot in that war but I I, I don't think it's going to last very long I think it's going to be a surprise um and this is going to this is an interim step to that point where um things have c- cellular ca- capability and don't have uh, that little card at all and maybe that'll take a few years but I don't think uh I don't think it'll take as long as we think. I do think this is going to resolve just because it's uh I just see the march of technology here. It's just going to it's it's dumb that that little piece of plastic exists. It's dumb. It's going to have to go away. I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to be that optimistic guy just this time.
1: I'm glad that you're that guy, Jason. Thank you.
0: <laughs> We're halfway through the show and it's time for our sponsor,
2: our halftime sponsor. Dan, did you know we had a halftime sponsor? Do podcasts have halftimes?
0: Uh, Clockwise does. That's one of the ways Clockwise is special. And We're
2: going into extra innings then, too. Okay. Mix my metaphors.
0: This episode of Clockwise is brought to you by Backblaze. Let's face it, your computer's hard drive is on the clock. Whoa! look at that. You should be protecting your data with Backblaze. What is Backblaze? Simply put, it is the online backup solution for your computer's data, all your computer's data, movies, music, photos, videos, presentations, work documents. It backs it all up. By default. And this is why you need Backblaze. Computers crash, hard drives fail, computers get stolen, natural disasters strike. If your house burns down or there's a flood or you're robbed and they steal all your stuff, you're going to lose that uh, time machine drive that you've got at home. It's not enough to just back up at your house. You need safe, secure storage in the cloud for backup makes them all available online too so you can use the iphone app that comes with backblaze or they've got an android app too to get access to those files if you forgot to bring a file with you you can get it via backblaze on the app even if, uh, even if you didn't set it up to be shared on your computer because it's backed up into the cloud and you can get it there. No add-ons, no gimmicks, no additional charges. Go get your free trial with no credit card required at backblaze.com slash clockwise, and then it's just $5 a month per computer for unlimited, fast online backup. Thank you so much to Backblaze for being the halftime sponsor of Clockwise. And now, Dan, halftime's over. All right, back to work. What is your topic?
2: Well, uh, the big one of the big pieces of news that has been swirling around the last couple of weeks is Apple Pay, and more recently, Current C, which is the consortium of uh, mobile payments that is sort of put together by retailers who desperately want to hold on to customer information. Um, and I think even was it yesterday they announced that they are like there had been a security breach that leaked, I think, emails only, um, which really really inspired confidence for a lot of people into this system that is also going to give up all their personal data. So my question for the rest of you is, are the retailers simply shooting themselves in the foot by trying to enforce this system rather than a system that people are actually actively using? Christina, what say you?
3: Yeah, I think they're totally shooting themselves in the foot. I think that I mean, right now we've seen a, a technology that marketers tried to push, but the consumers vehemently de- denied and, and refused to use QR codes, and that's the center of their strategy: QR codes. That like no one wants to adopt this technology versus you know having something that's built into basically every single phone um, to using tap to pay. Uh, were any of you guys on the currency? um, the press the release press call. Yeah. No, no, or the no, the call, the, the call call yesterday. The call, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was so, <laughs> that was the most awkward call ever. Uh, it was, we're it was, being persecuted. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it, it was hilarious. Uh, but, uh, one of my colleagues, Lance Ulanoff, basically wrote an op-ed that I fully support that's basically said it's done, it's toast, um, because they just they don't have their stuff together. And I think that coming out of the gate and getting the emails hacked is going to be the first thing that will really just kind of force consumers to really vocally start saying whether they really take their money elsewhere or not, because they won't, um, to say you need to support this. And already major um a, a retail uh chain they're kind of like um kmart i guess in in the midwest has come out and said that they are breaking ties with uh, the mcx um and will be accepting apple pay so
0: it, it does sound like a like almost like a a keystone cops kind of thing right where like <laughs> they set this up a couple years ago they still don't have anything now they've been hacked um it, and it, wah, wah. it doesn't seem like a harebrained they should call it thing. sad trombone it's like and even one of the CEOs said it's like a spite corporation. It's like it, It's li- totally literally it's it, just like we don't it doesn't care if it works as long as Visa hurts. Yeah, yeah. It's just That's like good. that is I mean, oh, you got to laugh because I don't think it's going to go anywhere. It's a disaster. It was a disaster before we found out that they had, they, they had been hacked. Um yeah, it's, it's consumer unfriendly. Consumers are not going to rush. Glenn Fleischman wrote a, wrote a piece uh, about this um, and has been talking about it, uh, about how Starbucks has been um, the one place that has really gotten this right. But that is such a an exception that proves the rule. Like Starbucks has this affinity card and they give you rewards and things like that. And I could see currency being like a, it's not an alternative to a credit card. It's like an alternative to your affinity cards and you can pay through it. And if they sell it like that and say, look, you're going to get coupons and stuff if you if you hook this up and you become a special member of our club, but you, you can't just do that. You need to offer... Uh, easy ways to pay for people who don't want to do that and that's apple pay so i think i think currency could be something but it can't be an alternative to easier ways for people to pay for stuff that's stupid and if that's the way they're going is just to spite (laughs) visa and mastercard you know it is like dan said to quote dan morin (laughs)
1: yeah um I have been following this story pretty much all week since since I bought something successfully at CVS and then went back the next day and discovered that I couldn't use it because who does that? Um, I'm really looking forward to them crashing and burning. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, any <laughs> just just from an own like my personal consumer spite here. Um, you you don't take away choice when you want somebody to buy something from you. In fact. Technically, with cash, it's illegal to, to force people to use something that's not cash. Um, so to take away a payment option, they may be in their legal right to do it, um, but it still rubs me entirely the wrong way as a consumer. And that's one of those things where there are enough different options in most people's cities um, that and, and rural areas where it's very easy to say, oh, CVS, you're not going to support Apple Pay? You're not going to support the, the secure option that I want? well, then I'm just going to walk across the street where there's probably a Walgreens.
2: So to explain why I think this is mostly shooting themselves in the foot, this entire thing is is basically centered around customer data. The retailers are afraid that the technology companies will get all the customer information that they use to build loyalty programs and things like that and track stuff. Um, so what's interesting is, Jason, when you and I were at the iPhone event in September and we talked to the the Apple rep there, I think they implied that you could, the loyalty stuff could sort of be built into the system and that if you were it detected like, all right, you're at Walgreens and you're paying for something, it could automatically like sort of hand over your Walgreens like frequent buyer card or whatever. So what you're saying is you could get that information anyway ways, and you can do it in an easy and transparent way that people will actually use. But you're not going to let anybody do that because instead you want to rely on your own system, which gets the exact same data. So I think this is really one of the dumbest decisions made by any retailers. And clearly, there is no understanding of technology in any of those in that entire consortium. So dumb. Yep, it'll be dead. Christina, what's your topic?
3: So speaking of things that are dumb, (laughs) our favorite so, uh, you know, there's this, uh, pcalc widget controversy. Uh, you know, a friend, James Thompson, who makes the fantastic iOS app pcalc. And I should add, as of, as of the time we were doing this podcast, it's still being featured in the app store under great apps for iOS eight yep. for notification center widgets. Apple has contacted him and said, you could put a function in a widget, but you can't put a calculation. Because that, to me, is just the most semantical, ridiculous uh, differentiation I've ever heard in my life. And they're basically going to make him remove this fantastic widget that is available in um, the the Today screen, where you can, you know, do quick calculations. It's actually identical to the way that um, OS X's um, calculator widget works, and it's super handy and it's a great feature. And they're going to make him get rid of it. And uh, I know we've all kind of written about this and have kind of like cried out about. It's, I think you said, Jason, uh, really well on, on Six Colors. You know, it's 2014 and we're still dealing with these sorts of App Store rejections. Uh, you know, WTF, I, I kind of want to get you guys' take. I mean, what the hell, Apple?
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, the, the absurdity of the fact that this is somebody who, and I, I should give full disclosure, this was this week, uh, pCalc is sponsoring SixColors.com. <laughs> Great week for it. Rush out and oh. buy that thing before it gets taken down. Um, I, and I've known James a long time you know, he's embracing new technologies. He's uh, providing, and, and Apple wants this, right? Apple wants developers to embrace this new the new features in its operating system updates. So he does it. He does a good job. He provides a calculator widget, which um, one of the ideas here, by the way, is that Yosemite and, and uh, iOS work better together, iOS 8. Uh, and they both have notification center widgets. And Apple provides a calculator widget in the Mac notification center widget, right? Uh, Dan was pointing this out to me yesterday. Full credit to Dan. It is absurd, right? It's like, you can do calculations in the Mac but not on iOS even though they're sort of the same metaphor and they look the same and it's stupid Um, and you're you're creating a chilling effect on developers who are like now going to be afraid to do anything innovative you know what they could have done is somebody a senior like executive type person in developer relations could have called the affected developers and said look we're really sorry about this. Uh, we uh, This went further than we expected, and we realized this is going to be a bad thing for you, but we needed to make a decision, and here's why, and we need to ask you to remove it. But that's not what he got. He got this impersonal, like, you need, you need to remove this because it violates a rule that we just made up. And that's ridiculous. That's no way to handle people who are trying to uh, build great stuff on your platform, and it makes all the other developers feel like, why should I bother? Um, this
1: strikes me as, you know, the different heads of the company, not knowing what's going on. Uh, because yeah, this, this app and its betas was floating around in various parts of Apple for months during the, during the iOS, you know, pre-release process. And again, the fact that you have the app store team featuring it, um, shows that there are people paying very close attention to what this is. It's just some random arbitrary, you know, person at a high level saying, Hey, Actually, this is too much and great after, you know, James has made a lot of money on it, hopefully, and which has also made Apple a lot of money on it being like, oh, yeah, sorry. No, we're, we're just going to take away this revenue stream that we've been promoting like heck. Um, and it's. It it really rubs me the wrong way, and it says to me that like Apple kind of needs to get its cards in order when it comes to the App Store. I mean, we've had a lot of discussions, um, all of us on our various platforms, about uh, about how like crazy the App Store has become, and you know how we get the clones and these kind of decisions, and it really sounds like maybe, maybe next year, Apple should take a step back and be like, all right, how do we organize the app store in such a way that we don't keep on punishing our developers and making them hesitant to develop this great software? Because I, I know, like, as if, if I were developing and I spent, you know, months and months and months of my life putting this thing out on the store and everybody loves it. And then randomly, it's just like, oh yeah, sorry. Um, am I going to try and innovate again? No, I'm probably going to wait. You know, it's not, it's not productive.
2: I don't know what everybody's complaining about. This decision is perfectly logical. Numbers are complicated. Apple really wants to simplify. I can't even get through this. I'm sorry. Uh, this, I, it doesn't make it. No, I, I think the, the thing that comes down for me is that this rule, as Jason said, sounds arbitrary and it doesn't make any sense. Like, I can't fathom what is the what is the reason? What is the rationale behind this? Um, even if you want to get, like, cynical and be like, oh, well, it's because Apple wants to do its own calculator widget. Well, why didn't they do it then? <laughs> like, they have the code. As far as I understand, the code is almost identical. Like, they could just put the oh, the Mac version on iOS. Um, but they're... I, it, doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. And, like, you know, that's the whole point of all these... You know, they're not stopping anybody else from making, say, a weather widget, even though they have a, you know, built-in weather forecast thing in, into, in the notification center. So it just... It just doesn't make any sense. And, and capricious is exactly the right word because it has no logic behind it. To me, it smacks of somebody way up the food chain just being like, oh, no, well, that's not what we wanted for that kind of thing. But again, without any sort of underlying reason or rationale, it, it's totally senseless. And I'm really hoping that Apple will either spell out why this is such a terrible thing or reverse their decision and, and let James keep it. Because as as Jason said, James has been, I mean, you know, he was developing stuff back for classic Mac OS, right? Drag thing? Yeah, uh, more than 20 years now. Yeah, so like why would you want to piss off somebody who is who has been working that hard for your platform that long and, and making such great software? So totally senseless.
0: Oh, well, thanks for bringing me down there, uh, Christina. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh you know you have uh you uh, do you have anything more to say about this or we beat it no, to I mean, death I th- now I,
3: th- I think we kind of beat it to death the only thing i would add is just that i, I think what 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 Ren said is dead on i mean like the people at apple are not talking to one another the fact that this would be featured clearly the review team has seen this clearly the people who curate the store have seen this and then to make this decision just to me specs of you know, Apple does need to get their stuff internally together because this should never happen. It should never happen where the week that a developer gets a notice that he has to remove something from his app, his app is still featured in the store for the reason that they want to they want him to change the
0: app right. If nothing else, it says exactly right, which is which is apple's got too many things going on. The left hand has no idea what the right hand is doing, and that's a problem. Um, and then the communication could have been, like you know, like I would argue, a lot better. Plus, I think there's some fundamental questions about that Apple needs to explain about how Notification Center is the same at, on Mac and iOS and yet different on Mac and iOS and where those metaphors fall apart because um, they obviously somebody decided to put a calculator widget at, at Apple on the Mac and not on the iPhone. Okay. So explain that. And 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 if that had been clearer, then uh, PCALC probably would never have even had that. But it wasn't clear, and everybody thought it was awesome. So... Ah, what a mess, what a mess. Clockwise update, just after we recorded this episode, several news outlets reported hearing from Apple that they'd reversed the decision on removing pCalc's widgets from the store. I think the larger point we're trying to make about confusion and chilling effects on app developers remains. All right, we have reached the end. And uh, before we uh, ask our bonus question, I have something very exciting to announce, which is... The bonus question has a sponsor. I'm not kidding. This (laughs) week's bonus question is brought to you by Igloo, an intranet you will actually like. Anyone who's worked in a corporate environment... Many of us here resemble that remark, know how painful intranets can be. Uh, They generally stink, but Igloo is awesome. It's built with regular human beings in mind, easy to use cloud apps like shared calendars, Twitter like microblogs, and file sharing. It works on your laptop, tablet, or phone. So whether your team is working remotely or in the cubicles around you, you will have the right tools to communicate and collaborate as you grow. So everything's widget-based, widgets, and drag and drop, so it's easy to uh, brand and configure your Igloo, and Igloo makes use of responsive web design, so it looks great on all platforms. And the best thing about it, it's free to use for up to 10 people. Sign up at igloosoftware.com and get started today. Thank you so much to Igloo for helping us launch Relay FM and for supporting the bonus question. Show your support by visiting igloosoftware.com. That was exciting. My bonus question is simple. Uh, As we record this, tomorrow's Halloween. And I was wondering, did you have a favorite Halloween costume that you wore as a child? Serenity, what about you?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, I think it's split uh, in that my mother made a lot of my Halloween costumes growing up because she is super talented. Thanks, Mom. Um, And probably my favorite was the year that I went as Pippi Longstockings where she figured out a way to make my hair stand straight out to the side. Which was very, very challenging to do as I am now learning because I'm trying to do a costume this year that involves wire. So, probably that one.
2: I uh, definitely, at some point as a kid, probably five or six, I was Luke Skywalker from Return of the Jedi. I had a a green plastic lightsaber and like the sort of like black tunic outfit. And I think that one was pretty great. Second, close second favorite is Sherlock Holmes, uh, which I was in first grade, except I almost choked on the pipe.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, Christina?
3: Uh, so probably for me, it's probably a tie a toss up between, I was the sorcerer's apprentice one year, you know, um, nice. Mickey Mouse awesome. the sorcerer. Um, and I took a little mini, little sorcerer or a plush doll around with me and that was awesome. And, but the best costume, I have to say this, I'm trying to find a photo. I think I was a four. My mom yeah. made me, I wanted to be Raggedy Ann and my mom made me the most epic Raggedy Ann costume that matched my doll perfectly. And I had this red wig and it itched, it itched so badly. So all the <laughs> photos of me, I'm like grimacing and I've got this they've got this look on my face like I want to you know I, I want to kill someone and my mom had worked so hard on the costume and then I you know I, I, all I did was, was scratch my head but that was such a great costume so it's it one of those two
0: wow and for me it's Captain Kirk I'll see your Luke Skywalker and raise you a Captain Kirk out of gold weather well now that brings us to the end of Clockwise Serenity Caldwell thank you so much for thank being back you. on at your <laughs> new place with our us at our new place
1: oh it's so sad and so great all at the same time
2: yeah and Christina, thanks for taking time out of your schedule to join us for your first appearance. We hope you'll be back.
3: I hope to be back. Thank you so much for having me.
2: And Dan, that wraps it up for us for another week. Okay, well, I'll see you next week then, I guess. Okay, until then,
0: Dan, you need to remember, watch what you say.
2: And keep watching the clock.
0: <laughs> see you next week, everybody. Bye. Bye. Help us keep Clockwise going by filling out a brief survey. Visit podsurvey.com slash clockwise.